for the reading of God's Word. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You may be seated, may be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. In light of what we just read, let's turn to Psalm. We'll actually start in Psalm chapter 23. So if you have uh, your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I want you, as we read through this, circle in your Bible all the places that this text refers to either a shepherd or a sheep. That's going to have everything to do with what we're going to teach on this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, the shepherd, makes me lie down in green pastures. That's what sheep do. He, the shepherd, leads me beside the still waters. He, the shepherd, restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow, shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. It's interesting to me that God uses this in First Peter, the idea that He's the shepherd and yet He's called uh, some of us in the body to be uh, shepherds as well. Just think about that idea of being a shepherd. What Uh, does a shepherd do? A shepherd takes care of the flock. A shepherd takes care of the sheep. You know, uh, sheep are an interesting animal. If you've ever been around sheep, most animals that God creates, sheep, unlike sheep, have a distinction. They know how when they're lost, they find their way home. If a dog, if you've ever owned a dog, if the dog gets lost, uh, most likely over time the dog's going to come back. Uh, unfortunately, cats do too. I wish cats had the same uh, thing with dogs or with sheep. I just wish they'd wander off and get lost. But a cat, man, they will always find their way home. I hope there's not very many cat people in here. But sheep, if sheep gets lost, they really get lost. They have no bearings on how to get back. And so they need a shepherd to guide them and lead them from what we just sang. Because we are sheep, we are prone to wander. And in our prone to wandering, you and I will never find our way back. We need the great shepherd to bring us back. You see, the other thing uh, about sheep is this. Uh, They cannot protect themselves. Like if you've ever been around sheep, uh, you could take advantage of a sheep pretty quickly. I mean, they have no defense mechanisms. And so what do they need? They need someone to protect them. That's the the role of a shepherd. The role of a shepherd in a sheep's life is to protect them. 
That's where he just told us in Psalm chapter 23, my rod and my staff lead you, or my rod and my staff protect you. Throughout the text, sheep, uh, what do sheep do? Sheep spend most of their time, what? Wandering the field, eating and drinking. Well, here's the other thing about sheep. Sheep don't know what is good for them and what's bad for them. They see green and they see water and they are led to it and they eat it. And so they need a shepherd to protect them from themselves. Crazy to think. Because if a sheep was left on its own in a pasture, it would eat poisonous things and drink stagnant water. Because, man, it looks good. Is that not true for us as well? Like, we see things and it looks good to the eye. That's what, that's what happened to Eve in the garden. Man, it looked good to the eye and she took it and she ate it. And knucklehead Adam said, okay, and ate it with her. And so we need a sheep to protect us from ourselves. Here's the other thing about sheep. Sheep can't take care of themselves literally. I don't know how cats do it or dogs do it, but a cat and a dog, they can lick every body part they have to clean themselves. Man, a cat's like, all I got is, I don't know why I just did that from the pulpit. That's not all right. But you look at the, the animals, how they care for themselves and bathe themselves. A sheep is unable to do that. And yet a sheep, they, they uh, excrete all this oil, and all this oil in, in their um, wool creates uh, dangerous things for them. Like the oil, if you've ever had oil all over yourself, it attracts things. It attracts dirt, it it attracts leaves, it attracts everything, and it clings to them. So they need a shepherd to clean them. Because if they don't get cleaned, all that the debris that's gathering in their wool will actually kill them over time. And so we need a shepherd, just like sheep need a shepherd to care for them. All throughout Scripture, you can turn to Luke chapter 15, he uses this analogy of sheep. Remember what he says in Luke. That's the three parables. The last being the lost son. The the parable of the son. He says this, So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine and go to the open country and go after the one that is lost? Because that sheep is not going to come back to the shepherd. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, he carries it back, and he rejoices over the one sheep that is lost. And when he, the shepherd, comes home, he calls together all of his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I found, the, I found my sheep that was lost. It's true for us. That's who we are. It's an important distinction in this text, in the song we just sang. You will not find your way to Christ ever he finds you and as we get into the text the elders of the church the pastor of the church is i you don't have to when you get lost it's my responsibility to go after you keep that in your pocket this is another place that 
uh, God uses the idea of sheep. Psalm chapter 100, verse 3. He says this, Know that I am the Lord. He is God. It is He that made us. And we, were he, we are His. We are His people. And what? The sheep of His pasture. Jeremiah 50, verse 6. My people have been what? Lost sheep. Their shepherds had led them astray, turning them away from the mountains. From mountains to the hills they have gone. They have wandered or they've forgotten their fold. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 is this. All of you are like sheep who have gone astray. We have all turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. John chapter 10 is a whole chapter about uh, God being, Jesus being the good shepherd. But in John chapter 10 verse 3 he says this, To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Over and over and over and over in God's Word, He refers to Himself as the Good Shepherd, the Great Shepherd, the, the, the Reigning Shepherd, and refers to God's people as the sheep. Helpless, harmless, needing someone to care for them and to protect them. This is what one writer says about uh, the, the flock or the sheep. He says, flock, the word flock brings to mind all the shepherd imagery found in the Scripture. The sheep gentle, defenseless, liable to stray, needing a shepherd, happy, peaceful under His care, pitiful when lost, and scattered, etc. This is God's flock that was brought with a great price that is exceedingly precious in His sight a great trust placed into His hands of human shepherds who are to pattern after Yahweh, the shepherd, and Christ, the ark shepherd. What shepherd could have the care of any part of God's flock and treat it carelessly? Peter's words are sparing, but overflow with tender and serious meaning. And so what does it mean for us as we go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, where he says, Peter says to the other shepherds, the other elders of the church. What does he say to him? He says, I exhort you, the elders, the leaders, the shepherd, the pastor among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and as well as a partaker of the glory that is being revealed, shepherd the flock of God. You may be like I have been this week wondering, how does he come from all of this suffering that we've been talking about in chapter 4 to all of a sudden talking about what does it mean to be an elder of the church? Well, it didn't make sense to me until I got to verse 2 where he says, shepherd the flock. How come that the connection is so, uh, it, it seems so vague, but it's so clear. What happens when sheep get scared? They scatter. And so what he's saying is, hey, there's going to be persecution. That's what chapter 4 tells us. And in the, in the persecution, we're prone to wander. And so what he's saying to the pastors, the elders of the church is, hey, when the sheep scatter, you are to, when the persecution comes, you are to shepherd the body. 
We don't have time this morning to get into it, but that word is plural for a reason in the text. The word elder is plural. Elders in the church, it's plural for a reason. And one day we'll teach on what that means for us here at Powell's Chapel. But he's talking to the elders, he's talking to the shepherds that are to care for the body because when persecution happens, we are prone to wander. And all of us, when the persecution comes, when the suffering comes, we want to run from it as quickly as possible. And yet we read and studied for the last several weeks that God uses suffering our life to produce sanctification. And so he's saying to the shepherds, hey, allow them and keep them in the fold to go through the suffering in order that their sanctification is ongoing. And then he lays out, what does it look like for the shepherd? And that's what we'll talk about, the caring shepherd. What does it mean to be a shepherd? In God's word, three things that we'll see. We'll look at the role of the shepherd. We'll look at the readiness of, of a shepherd and we'll look at the reward of a shepherd the elders role the elders readiness and the elders reward peter uses all these analogies and he's tying us back to uh, the book of ezekiel and so even in ezekiel it's all this idea about the people of god the sheep of god needing a shepherd and that's where peter gets all his ideas from in this text so what does it look like? What is the role of an elder? Three things we'll look at this morning. The role of an elder. Every elder must have these three things. The first one is this. We'll go to Ezekiel chapter 8. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 8. When we're looking for elders, there's other places in the text. And in 1 Timothy, it talks about the qualifications of an elder. It talks in Titus about the qualifications of an elder. But here in this text, here's the qualifications of the elder. In Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 12. So what Ezekiel the prophet says. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark? each in his own room of pictures. For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. The first thing that the elder's role is this. An elder must not lack character. You see, you and I, and if you are a leader in this church, God sees what happens in the dark places. There is no secret place for God. And so God's first call on an elder is we must have a high character. And my hope for you as the congregation, the sheep, would look to me, the elder, the pastor, and say, that is a man that has high character. Who I am at 2 a.m. is the same exact man that I am at 2 p.m. It's called integrity. And if you are to lead this church, the question that you have to ask yourself and that you have to ask me, is there men in our church that have integrity? That they have godly character? You see, you do not want a shepherd or a pastor or an overseer with no character, do you? We've got enough of those in the world. 
And so the first call on any elder's life is this, any shepherd's life, any pastor's life, is does that man have character? Not does he have an administrative gift, not does he have a teaching gift, not does he have a caring gift, not does he have this gift, but is that man a man of great character? The second one is this, Ezekiel 34. Turn just a few pages to the right to Ezekiel chapter 34. We're going to look at what an elder's call is. An elder must never uh, misunderstand his call is the next point. That's my call as your pastor found in this text. And the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even the shepherds. Thus says the Lord, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not what? Feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and um, harassment you have not, uh, harshness you have not ruled over them. The primary gift that God has called me to as a leader and elder outside of me having character is to feed you God's word and feeding you God's word is not always going to feel good that's what he tells us in in Psalm chapter 23 the shepherd would rule over you with a rod and a staff The, the rod and the staff One's a caring, a caring utensil, the, the other is a correcting utensil. And my goal, my call on my life is to feed you God's Word. And feeding you God's Word, you may not always feel good when you leave here. If you've come to Sunday morning services to feel good about yourself, you've come to the wrong church. Because when you come to the throne room of God, God is going to rebuke the things in your life and in my life that are sinful things. And God's word is so clear. There's only been one that is sinless, and it's not you, and it's not me. So when I come to the throne of God's grace, when I come to God's word, whether it's through all that John is singing with us, these aren't just feel-good songs. All the songs that John leads us in come from God's word. We, we don't want to sing songs in here about Jesus being my boyfriend. We got enough of that on the radio. But this God's word, does the songs and the hymns that we sing point us through the throne room of God and allow only what God's word can do, and that's bring correction and conviction. And so my hope and my prayer every Sunday is that you leave here because the Holy Spirit of God has told me to say something to you that brings correction and conviction, and encouragement, and hope, and peace. But that you don't leave here every Sunday feeling good. My role as an elder, as a pastor, is to never misunderstand my call on my life, and that's to feed the sheep. 
And I pray that you would leave here and say, the highest compliment you could ever give me is that, man, he teaches God's word faithfully and truthfully. The next thing is found in this. Ezekiel chapter 34, just a few verses later, 11 and 13 and 23. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep, that they have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on the day of the clouds and the thick darkness, verse 13. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and all the inhabited places of the country. Verse 23. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall feed them, and they will be his shepherd. The next point in this, one of the roles of an elder is I must emulate the good shepherd. That's what he's saying in this text. In order to be a great elder, a good elder, a godly elder, you must have character. You must teach the Word of God. And my example is God the Father, the great shepherd. And are you and am I emulating the chief shepherd? That's what he tells us in this text. It's the role of the elder. right? So I exhort you, the elders among you, as fellow elders, as a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory of God that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The way to shepherd a flock is to not lack character, to understand the call that's placed on, on the life of an elder, and to emulate the great shepherd. The next thing is this, the readiness of an elder. He gives three negatives and three positives, or three negatives or three affirmations in the next verse and a half. He says this in verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Oversight just means simply care. As you oversee something, you care for something. This is how you are to care for somebody or something. And it has to come with a readiness. Here's what he says. He says, not under compulsion, but with, with willingness. So the first one we see is not under compulsion, but with willingness. An elder of the church must do it out of love, not out of duty. You see, all that God did for us, all that Christ Jesus did for us, not was it because it was his duty. It says what in John 3, 16? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It, it says again in John 17 that, that Christ loved us and gave himself for us. All that the great shepherd did was not out of duty. It was out of love. Because when we do things out of duty, we'll do things out of compulsion. Like, I don't know if you've ever been around a compulsive person. 
It's not very fun. But the compulsivity is out of, man, they've got to get something done. 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 And it's like, you, you, you're, like you're on a ship in a worst uh, rainstorm. It's just rocking everywhere. You don't want an elder that isn't firm and isn't willing. You don't want a compulsive elder. You want a willing elder. Willingness means this, that they'll live open-handedly and they'll do it out of love and they'll do it out of service. They do it out of care. And if you've ever been around a willing person, if you've ever been to the hospital, you know who's in there out of doing out of willingness and out of doing out of duty. It's those doctors that come into the room and they got an F in bedside manners. Have you ever been to the hospital and the physician that comes in has no bedside manners? It's because they're doing it out of duty. There's no care in there. There's no gentleness in that. They don't have compulsion. You're just a patient. You're just something on their list. You're just a check on the board. You don't want a shepherd. You don't want an elder. That you're just a number in a seat. But that you're a person. And that someone's willing to care for you and desires to care for you and longs to care for you. The next thing is this. Don't do it under compulsion, but do it under willingness, as God would have you. The next one is this. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. You don't want a pastor that does it for the money, what Peter's saying. Because if the guy that's in the pulpit is doing it for money, then A, they won't say the things they need to say, or B, they'll say the things they need to say to get more money. We've had enough of those preachers on TV. I don't do this for the money. I do this out of what he says. I do it because I'm eager to do it. I have a desire to do it. You want elders that don't do it for money, but they do it out of eagerness. And the next one says this. I think this might be the most important out of all of them. It says, not domineering over those they are in charge, but being an example to the flock. You do not want a domineering elder or shepherd. I don't know if you've ever been over or around someone that has a domineering personality, but it sucks the life out of me. Because then I'm just a task. Then I'm just a means to an end. I'm no longer a person. You see, all these things that he is, has negative connotations about, it makes you not a sheep, but it makes you uh, a, a means to an end for the elder. Right? Is that not what he says in the first one? He said, don't do it out of compulsion. means you're a means to an end. Don't do it for money. means to an end. And don't do it uh, domineering over those that you are in charge, but be an example to the flock. What does it mean to be an example of the flock? It means we are led back to the great shepherd who gave himself willingly for the sheep. Jesus did not go to the cross begrudgingly. 
Jesus went to the cross willingly. Jesus did not go to the cross domineering or demanding anything. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us that. He went to the cross with his mouth shut. But he did it because he loved us. You see, the misuse of power, this is what one writer says, if, if you misuse power, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Say that one more time. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. When you have a domineering person in the place of an elder, it's going to get corrupt pretty fast. So what do we want? What is the example? Two things I believe. Two, two examples. He says being an example to the flock. The first one I believe it has to be humility. And we see that because of all that we've been teaching the last several months here in this book. Was Christ not a humble servant? Was Christ not a man of great humility? I believe that's the first one. We talked about it several weeks ago. The second one is this. They must do it sacrificially. An elder must live with humility and live with great sacrifice. That is what it means to be an example. Which leads us to our last point. Verse 4. And when the great or the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. You see, when we do the other ones as shepherds, as elders, when we rule over the sheep of God with great character, not misunderstanding our call, using Him as our example, being ready to uh, give the truth where it needs to be, there is a great reward. It's the unfading crown of glory. What does that mean? That we get to see the glory of God. And so I challenge us this morning, as you sit here, is that true of the people that lead the church? Is that true of me? Like you want a test, if if I'm doing my job, here's the test for you to grade me upon. Does Todd have great character? Does Todd understand his call on his life? And is God, Todd doing the call that's placed on his life? Is he preaching and teaching us the word? Is Todd an example of the chief elder? Does Todd live with a readiness for us as the sheep? If you want to test, if you ever want to test me, if I'm doing what God's called me to do, chapter 5, verse 1 through 4 is the test for any elder. And if any of those things come back as a uh, disqualifier, then you need to let me leave for your sake and mine. And that's true for anyone in our church that's a leader. If you want to know what it means to lead the body of Christ and to do it well and to do it faithfully and to do it biblically, read chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. And if those are not true of the leaders of this church, then we got issues. We got problems. We are not doing what the New Testament calls us to do as the church of Jesus Christ, to lead and to lead well. We're going to look into the next few days, the next few weeks, two weeks uh, really, on the next several verses. Because the next several verses have everything now to do with the body. Right? He says in closing, likewise you, 
are younger, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I cannot wait to teach this passage next week. In light of what God is doing here at Powell's Chapel, I believe with all of my heart that if we begin to live out verse 5, but it's going to flow out of verses 1 through 4. It's going to flow out of the elder of the church leading the people of God to live lives of humility and caring for one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It starts here before it starts there. Let us pray. God, you are a good God. And you've called us as the people of God, first and foremost, to be sheep. And God, sheep are not the brightest animals. Sheep are pretty defenseless, pretty helpless, pretty naive pretty pitiful without a shepherd. And so God, before you, I call you, you are the great shepherd of this flock. And it's with great humility and great honor and great care and a great privilege that I, God, get to be uh, the under-shepherd of the great shepherd. God, I pray here at Powell's Chapel, God, that I lead with, lead, would lead with boldness, and I would lead with character and integrity and honesty and truth. And God, in doing that, I pray for the people, your people, the sheep, that they would follow me as I follow you. God, that's all I desire to do here at Powell's Chapel to lead your people to the throne room of God, your grace, your mercy, your love, your kindness. That is my only agenda, God. That we, the people of Powell's Chapel, be led into your throne room. We join the angels in singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's the only agenda. To know you, to make you known to bring glory to you through our lives. And pray, God, that we would submit first and foremost to you and you alone. You are the great shepherd that cares for your sheep. I pray this in Christ's mighty name. Amen. Let's stand together as we...